Welcome to the Mid-Range Podcast, episode number 19. Bottoms up. Western Conference 8th seed chase with the current 8th seed, the Memphis Grizzlies. We've really struggled since the trade that uh, let go of Crowder and Andre Iguodala. Despite the fact that Iguodala was not playing this season, Crowder was a contributor to their offense and kind of helped them solidify them on the defensive end as well, too. Uh, In that trade to Miami, they got Justice Winslow, who has really seen limited minutes and floor time due to his uh, injury issues with his back. He's been sidelined this entire season, only playing less than a handful of games and not being able to engage at the the pace of play that he needs to be at in order to be successful. Uh, You got Triple J, who suffered a knee injury and is out for two weeks. You got Brandon Clark out for two weeks with a right quad injury as well, too. And then Dylan Brooks uh, signed an extension earlier this month. A lot of people are weighing into the fact that his numbers are declining because of that slight less production in points per game at 11 points as opposed to the 15 that he was sitting at prior to the extension. Rebounds and assists and steals remain the same, but he's shooting 27% from the floor, 16% from the three-point line, and under 50% from the free-throw line. And in order for them to hold that eighth seed, uh, they're going to need everybody to be held accountable and kind of play at that level uh, due to the fact that Behind them, you have Portland, who sits three games out of that eighth seed. Uh, Portland has lost Dame Lillard. He's out for probably another two weeks. Going on the report, they said three to four weeks. And the talent-wise on the one end of the floor and the experience doesn't really hold enough for Memphis to have me believe that that eight seed is a lock for them and that the teams that are chasing them, the Portland Trailblazers, who are three behind them. You have the New Orleans Pelicans who, since the acquisition of Zion being healthy enough to play and you see the team's dynamic with him on that floor, what he brings to that table, what he brings to that core group of starters when he's playing as well too. It allows those guys to free up space and room due to the fact that you got to concentrate more on protecting the paint on your front court. The only successful team so far to keep Zion in check has been the unstoppable buck of Milwaukee with all the bigs they could throw at him and kind of got him out of his comfort zone. Uh, they did lose yesterday to the Lakers where LeBron James came out with a 40-point performance in that game. 
and Zion Williams scored 29 in the loss. But what people overlook was the fact that he was guarding Anthony Davis, and despite the fact that Anthony Davis played particularly well, they couldn't really keep the Lakers off the offensive end, and they were unable to maintain a consistent stretch throughout. There were some highs and lows and some you know, they went up five, then they went down ten, and then it was up one and down four. They couldn't really maintain that throughout. Davis, as I said, did score 21, had 14 rebounds, but it was a tough 21 and 14 compared to his normal nights. He was six for 21 from the floor. Nine of his 10 points, nine of his, sorry, of his 21 points came from the free throw line. Zion Williams was 29 points. Didn't show that much in rebounds with six as compared to Anthony Davis's 14. Uh, he was eight for 18 from the floor and hit the charity stripe uh, 19 times, hitting 13 of those. Uh, free throws. Now, the San Antonio Spurs sit three and a half games back from that eighth seed as well, too. And they take on the small ball Houston Rockets where it should be very interesting to see how they respond. It's uh can't remember the last time San Antonio did not make the playoffs. And it would be hard to see them kind of hold on to that playoff. Or sorry, not hold on, but try to make a push for that eight seed. I just think there's too much inconsistency with that team. And it's just very difficult to watch them perform. I'm I'm Stand mistaken, uh, they are the San Antonio Spurs taking on the Dallas Mavericks and not the Houston Rockets, which Dallas sits in seventh spot. And it's, this is a crucial game for the San Antonio Spurs. Dallas is way ahead of that eighth seed and has a comfortable cushion going forward. There's a core group of teams that are competing from, I would say, three to seven. Maybe throw in Denver at number two and the Clippers at number three. They could possibly flip-flop or not, depending on what transpires. But that jumble of teams from two to seven can fluctuate, you know, in between with teams jostling up two seeds or down two. But that eight seed is only available for the Memphis Grizzlies, for the Portland Trailblazers, the New Orleans Pelicans, and the San Antonio Spurs. The Kings sit at four games from the eighth spot. At, and 
That's followed by Phoenix sitting at uh, four and a half out of the eighth, which they could probably make a push too. But realistically, the schedule is favorable for not the San Antonio Spurs who play Dallas and then have a slew of games. I believe it's 18 games against potential playoff teams that they do face throughout New Orleans, I believe, is scheduled against 12 teams that currently sit in a playoff position. And they have the talent around them to get over that hump, per se, as opposed to the San Antonio Spurs, who have been playing very inconsistent, uh, not being able to really get the same production they've been putting on that court for well over 15 to 20 years. Um, It might be a time for change in that organization. They might need to uh, look to restructure. And if Pop stays or if he goes, that might be another factor as well, too. I know DeMar DeRozan is a free agent. And there's got a lot of mismatched pieces in that organization. Uh, It's not the same dynamic they had before where they, you knew what roles those players had, what they needed to do. And those roles as Tony Parker, Mono Ginobili, Kawhi Leonard, um, Mr. Fundamentals, Tim Duncan. Those guys that Pop was used to coaching, even uh, Boris Diaw as well too, were able to run his system, but run that within their five on the court system as well too. A coach can give you an offense to run, but within that offense, with the chemistry that develops with the guys that are playing, certain things happen without conversation, and it's more of a natural reaction than anything else. And I don't think the San Antonio Spurs are able to even get back to that and uh, or even have shown that this season. Uh, they... The record is 24 and 32. That is not a team that I would say could make the eighth seed, despite the fact that the Grizzlies are 28 and 29. But with all the experience and with the systems and standards in place, I would think San Antonio would be able to have a better record as they maintain right now and heading into Dallas, playing Dallas uh, when Dallas is you know, coming off and firing off all cylinders, the fact that you know, everyone's healthy for them once again, Luca's back uh, Porzingis is playing Um, you also have Tim Hardaway Jr. uh, adding to that uh, trio out there. They end up playing Orlando, which uh, despite the fact went on that run after the All-Star break last year where they were one of the hottest teams in the NBA. So it's not going to be an easy matchup for them. Then they play Indiana. Charlotte, I could see them winning. 
Cleveland they might even lose to. Prior to the Cleveland game, they played Brooklyn. Then they played Dallas again. Then they played Denver. They got Minnesota and Memphis, which, the, you know, they're chasing Memphis. And Minnesota's been very disappointing as since Garnett left, since Gasol got traded, since and since. Then they play New Orleans, Utah back-to-back, home-and-home. And they end... Then they got Denver, and their last two games are with Golden State and Sacramento. So I don't see them making a push for that eighth seed. I I honestly could say the Portland Trailblazers might be the team that could actually get there, but the depth that they have on their team, minus Lillard, Whiteside, who's a, I would say, got to be in the running for Defensive Player of the Year. Averaging 16 points, 14 rebounds, three blocks, uh, shooting 61 from the floor, almost 70% from the charity stripe. Uh, sometimes giving you five blocks a game. Just going back to him trying to get his 2K rating up type uh, white side. So they have guys on their team. CJ McCollum as well, too. They picked up Trevor Ariza, who's also been a, a help. Melo resurgence, you know, has given them the boost they needed as well, too. So I think they have experience and they have veteran uh, savvy as well to put them in that push. And you, Dame is just, if he's playing, he's healthy and he's ready to go any game for him to take over at any given point in time is it happens too often for me to not say it couldn't happen again um but i just think the the pelicans would be the more exciting team in that a seed end up playing the lakers davis uh anthony davis would get his revenge against his former team but the matchup for the Lakers would be a lot more easier if it was the New Orleans Pelicans in that eighth seed, as opposed to the Portland Trailblazers, who have guys that could give them some issues offensively. Um, but defensively, I think uh, either way, LA takes that first round series with that eighth seed. It's going to be very interesting going forward for this eighth seed in the in the Western Conference. A lot of people are having a debate about this whole MVP race as well. So not MVP Rookie of the Year between Ja Morant and Zion Williamson. Um, Patrick Ewing, I believe, was the last Rookie of the Year who played a minimum, who played the 50 games uh, and got the Rookie of the Year award. Zion, they're saying, will play roughly around 30 games this season. And people are basing their votes or holding back their decision on Rookie of the Year based on the fact if Memphis can hold that eighth seed or if the insurgence of Zion and the struggling, and I want to make this clear, 
the New Orleans Pelicans were horrible. They couldn't hold a team under 100 points all year. I don't even think they've done that once, but they have Zion on the court, still allowing teams to score. But at the same time, he's now that solidifying force in the middle that allows them, as I said earlier, to get the space, to get their spots, to get their open shots, to be able to run the floor and utilize each other's skill sets accordingly. Uh, Alonzo Ball working on his three-point shot. He's knocking him down. He likes to push the pace. Zion is kind of that extra body that helps him run. Uh, you have Holiday working that pick and roll, that little in-between, slow it, slow the pace down, have the defender kind of slow crawl behind you and work that second stage where the low, the front court defender has to step up and help, and it just opens up a lot of passing lanes for Zion to get easy buckets or kickouts to Ingram or JJ Redick. So he does a lot more for the Pelicans. I know they got a lot of talent around them, but that talent was just talent until they plugged him in. I know Jaws running the point, and he's doing a fantastic job in Memphis. No one saw them anywhere near that uh, top eight in the Western Conference. They probably saw Phoenix, uh, Portland, anybody, San Antonio even. But the surprise that Memphis has uh, given the entire NBA is very shocking, something similar to what's going on in that Eastern Conference with the Miami Heat and how Jimmy Butler has basically embodied that organization and has just pushed players to work hard because that's what he does. And I guess you lead by example and people just fall in line without even getting in line. It's just something that they see daily. They want to emulate. So that's what they do. It's going to be very interesting on that eighth seed with the Memphis Grizzlies, all the injuries that they are just getting hit with now at this point in time. Uh, that two-week stretch might be, a, a, by those time those guys come back, it could be them being pushed down to the 11th spot and having the Portland Trailblazers, the New Orleans Pelicans, kind of John for that eighth and final position. And you never know, Phoenix could turn it up and get a push, but Oubre being out might be a factor for them as well, too. So, it's a crazy dynamic that we'd ever be discussing a Rookie of the Year candidate who was overlooked by practically everybody for his NCAA collegiate career, played with the man that everyone is expecting to win Rookie of the Year, but making people put respect on his name with John Morant performing the way he does. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Mid-Range Podcast, Episode 19, Bottoms, bottoms Up, Western Conference, Battle for the 8th Spot. 
It's going to be very interesting down the stretch to see who finishes in the eighth seed in that Western Conference. And that should be a fantastic finish for these remaining games in the second half of the season of the NBA. Thank you for listening. I'm KP, your host. Until next time.